Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to this live Q&A, live and in the house with myself, Dr. James Martin, and Kevin Saunders this evening. Kevin Saunders, practice finance expert. We're here to talk about everything that you need to know in order to help you decide which practice and also whether or not it's a good idea to buy a dental practice in 2024. We're going to cover a lot of ground tonight, which I'm really looking forward to. We're going to bring Kevin in just a second to do a little bit of an intro about himself. Just before we do that, really curious to know, as ever, how many people are live watching this webinar tonight and how many people are watching the replay. If you're here live, go ahead and type live in the comments section, throw a like on the webinar. What it means is that we know that you're here, you're in the house, and therefore what it means is we've got a really good idea of how many people are attending these webinars on a Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. If you're watching the replay, if you can go ahead and throw replay in the comment section, again, we've got a really good idea of how many people are watching on catch up as well, allows us to tailor the content to an even higher level. So without further ado, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring Kevin in. Kevin, if you're happy to do a little bit of an intro about yourself for those out there who have yet to meet you, and then what we'll do is we'll jump straight in with some hot takes on 2024 and the dental practice, purchasing, seeing financing. Of course. Yeah, that'd be good. Cool. Okay. Feel free. So shall I kick off? Um, okay. So for those who don't know me, um, my background was in banking. Uh, I was a specialist healthcare dental financer uh, for the RBS back in the day. Uh, stepped away from that in 2012 and um, have been an independent dealing with all the banks on behalf of dentists that need to uh, purchase, set up or relocate. Um and raising finance for every purpose, basically. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think I've, I've been in hundreds of practices over the years um, and seen just about every scenario there is to see. Uh, there's a lot to talk about right now. Um, for many years, actually, practice finance and buying a practice was was pretty stable. Um, but there's been quite a lot of upsets recently, in recent years. So, um you know, I, I think it's a really good time to uh, to talk about the current market now, what we've seen in 2023 maybe, and what we can hope to see in 2024. Awesome, Kevin. Thanks so much. So yes, absolutely. We're about to talk about 2024 and what everybody can expect going forward very, very, very soon. But before we do that, maybe it's a good idea to put everything into context and talk a little bit about 2023 and what the landscape was like during that period. Yes. Uh, so everyone will have a slightly different take on this, I guess. I can only speak from my own experience. Um, the appetite for finance pretty much died after um, the summer of 2022. Uh, so you think back to uh, all the market turmoil at the end of um, 2022 and the interest rate rises. Um, obviously, that spooks a lot of people. And the last thing you want to do when you're worried about interest rate rises is, is go and borrow more money. So um I think 2023 was 
definitely um, a slower year than recent years. Um, and I say everyone has their own take on it because I guess the agents will try and talk the market up, and I understand that they need to they need to take on the vendors um, and sell practices. Um, but to be fair, I know most of them fairly well, and most of them will tell you that um, 2023 did see a bit of a slowdown. Um, and then their comment tends to reflect my own, which is it seems to be coming back now. For the last three or four months, um, appetite to buy practices is returning, and I've had more associates um, calling actually wanting to buy established practices because before that, the only calls I really had were people wanting to set practices up. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's appetite's returning. Um, I think most people are now starting to understand that interest rates are as they are. They'll never go back. Well, never say never. They, they probably won't go back to uh, a base rate of half a percent. Um, so uh, it's the new norm, basically. So you just have to adjust for that. Um, so um, I think the slowdown is also evidenced if you look at the Christian Co um, stats, because um, obviously they're a pretty big organization and they um, they issue a dental um, market review every year. Um, and the one for 2023 shows that um, for owner-occupied practices, so somebody that owns their own practices and trades from it, um, the prices have dipped very slightly. Um, still, it shows how strong dentistry is because it's just a very slight dip. And if it's anything like um, the experience we had after the credit crunch, we found that prices dipped a bit in 2009 and then rocketed back again in 2010. So I'm sure that's where we're headed for in 2024. Um, so really, what we've been seeing recently is, um, I guess, the vendor vendor expectations versus sale prices um so it's a bit like when you sell your house and you've got that price fixed in your head um and it's hard to imagine it being worth less than you now believe it to be so there's been a little bit of that going on um there's been offers on prices i see i see associates offering on the um the offer price much more now uh, than we did in the past um, and there's also been a little bit of flat with the bank valuations, whereby some of the valuations come a little bit low. Um, not horrifically, though, I have to say, um, a lot of my cases, it seems to be there or thereabouts, just just a slight correction, really. Um, so, um, so, yeah, I think for 2024, very hopeful. Obviously, you have to consider um, the increased cost of borrowing now. So that's why it's important when you look at the practice to actually really consider the financials and make sure that there's enough money there to cover all of the extra costs, obviously loan finance being one of them and all the additional costs of energy bills, et cetera, over recent years. Cool. Thank you for that. And obviously part of the decision to purchase a practice comes from the due diligence that we need to perform beforehand. What trends are you seeing on that front or what things do we need to look out for? Yeah, so I suppose there's a few levels of due diligence. Uh, it's hard word to say that due diligence. Uh, one of which is is the client's existing professional advisors, which could be his accountant. Um, I, I do that for clients as well. I look at the financial accounts, punch the numbers, make sure that all checks out. But I think what you're referring to there is the legal process, because obviously the lawyers are, are the ones that really get into the due deal. Um, and it's an important point to to cover off because it also affects the sales process as well. And the reason is because due diligence has actually stepped up a lot in the last few years. Um, so you see a lot more ask of vendors now. Uh, there's, there's a big ream of questions that go through. Um, so timescales can be quite affected. Um, 
And when the, the question I always dread at the beginning is when clients ask me, how long is this going to take? Because we really don't know. It depends on the um, on the legal advisors and the process. And a lot depends now on the vendor. Um, if the vendor answers the questions quickly and precisely, then everybody moves on to the next section. But if the vendor takes a long time and is frustrated by the questions, because there'll, there'll be nothing like that probably when they bought the practice, um, then it then it can slow down. So I always say to people, if you have a motivated buyer and seller, then the process can can work through and, and you can drop months off of the uh, the timescales basically. But um, but yeah, back to what you said, that the, the due diligence is is a long process now. Is there anything that the purchaser can do from their end to expedite the process or is it very much out of their hands? Uh, I think it's just a case of everyone pulling together uh, because it is down to the vendor to answer a lot of these questions. Um, but if everyone's in the loop, uh, if, if the bank know what's going on, I know what's going on, uh, we can all push push the agents. Sometimes you find the agents help the vendor quite a lot with the answers to the questions. So I think it's just a case of everybody being on board and, and pushing for things to be done on time. Cool. Thank you for that. And obviously, Kevin, with your background specifically in the banking side of things, uh, I'm interested to know banks didn't have too much of an appetite for a while this year whenever it came to lending. And obviously, interest rates are partly a reflection of that. How do you see that changing going forward? What trends do you expect to see? Well, interestingly, banks didn't really rein in on their policy towards healthcare professionals. So, so dentists have been doing pretty well. It's been more, I think it's been more of a case that dentists were worried about borrowing money. Um, because many of the banks that I've sat down with recently have told me that um, their lending clawed back in most other commercial sectors. But in the healthcare sector, they they left the policy as was before. Um, and the main sector they're lending money in is in healthcare at the moment. So it shows you how strong the market is, how safe it is for them, um, and how positive they are about it, basically. Um, that said, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a rocky um, time at the moment. So I think what I am seeing is, uh, just to explain, the way in which banks lend is they have lending guidelines um, as well as policies. And the idea of the, pol- the guidelines are supposed to give them a steer as to how they should lend the money uh, within their policy. Uh, but much more, I'm seeing them being quite rigid about those guidelines and not sort of working outside of the box and and, and sort of stretching um, their lending policy a little bit. Uh, so, so it's much more of a I'm not going to say a tick box exercise, but but you need to tick enough of the positive boxes now. Um, and an example of that I'll give you is um, for dentists that maybe are looking to buy their second practice. Um, in the past, we could usually raise 100% by gearing up on the first practice uh, to raise the deposit and 80% on the second practice. It's still the case that in theory you can do that, but I've noticed um, or I had a couple of cases where clients had bought their first practice within the last two years. Um, and the banks have a little bit of a guideline that says uh, they like to see three years of performance on a practice. Um, but in the good times, they generally will look at what they've got and say the practice is doing well, the first practice, so we'll we'll gear up against that. Um, but I've I've seen a couple of examples of them saying, look, we're uncomfortable that it's that three years haven't passed yet, so we want to take some additional security, such as charges over 
people's main residences, et cetera, if we're going to be lending at that level. And we'd like a little bit more money in from the um from the per- from the purchaser. Um I mean they they like to call it hurt money. So um yeah, it just means that the um the borrower is more committed, I guess. Gotcha, because the like they have a little bit of a squeeze is that maybe is that maybe why or more more motivation, more motivation. I think it shows commitment if you borrow 100 percent, you may not be as committed to um to paying the money back as as if or to making the practice work as if you'd put your own money in basically so uh i think you'd always be a little bit more motivated interesting terminology guys just before we go any further i'm interested to know who in the audience tonight is keen on buying a practice in 2024 if you go ahead and throw 2024 in the comments i'm really interested to know if there's anybody out there who out there would love to buy another practice and not sure uh whether or not it's going to be in 2024 or not if so maybe you can put in the comments buyer and then just omit the word 2024 and who here is an associate for life i'm genuinely curious if there's uh, a lot of people in the audience tonight who are associates for life if so f- feel free to throw to go ahead and throw the word associate in the comments so we get a really good feel of how many people uh, are in the audience tonight with respect to their likelihood to purchase a dental practice because it's hyper relevant to the next thing that kevin and i are going to talk about which is which is which is which is i've got it written down here when you're considering purchasing a dental practice or you're on the lookout for one what things can we look for which make it good value or a good deal kevin Yes. Okay. Uh, there's lots, I guess, to cover off in this section, and there's not always a, a right and wrong answer because sometimes it's a bit, a bit like buying a house. Um, it's just what's right for the individual person. Um, so um, I think something to keep in mind are things like location. Obviously, the ideal practice will be in a busy high street with shop frontage on a street corner um, with lots of footfall. Um, passing by it's not always possible and i've funded plenty of good upstairs practices as well um but do just think about that if, you, if you're buying an upstairs practice then you've, you've got to work a little bit harder to uh, to pull in new patients so um so location is definitely key um also another point on location as well which i do get picked up on by the banks and, uh, and applicants often don't think about and that is how close it is to the applicant's home because if you're going to be spending a lot of time in the practice in the early days, years, whatever, you, you need to better get home quickly as well um, if you're doing overtime. So um, so have a think about that. There's no point uh, having horrific um, travel to and from work every day. Um, big one as well uh, is about expanding the practice and future-proofing. And for example, uh, an extreme case would be buying a one-surgery practice with no room to get out a second surgery. Um, but even a two surgery practice, you need to have a think about how you can grow into that. If you if you grow the practice as you would wish to, um, where would you fit the third practice out? You know, how could you get a hygienist in there as well as an associate dentist? And how's the whole thing going to work? Again, not to say two surgery practice can't work well, but you just need to think about the opening hours, et cetera, and how how that all works. Um and then a lot of it is um, looking at the bottom line profit, and that's what dentists often get wrong. They'll often look at the fees um, that a practice generates and not really consider the bottom line profit. Um, so on the bottom line profit, we need to add back 
as many items as we can that, uh, that the vendor might be putting through, such as depreciation on accounts and, the, and his own salary. And also we need to consider how much the loan costs are going to be. And both I and the bank would do that based on exaggerated rates. Um, and you need to make sure there's enough money there to uh, to cover both your salary and the loan going forwards. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because, again, no two practices are the same and the financial accounts are different for all the practices as well, which is why it's really important to engage with people like your accountant or myself and just get an idea of how much money is left for me at the end of the day. And we often say to associates that there's a good chance that in year one, you will have less money than you would as an associate. But basically, you're looking towards the future and earning more money in the future. And another thing to consider when you're looking at a a practice, uh, which is all important, is I guess the ideal practice to buy if you're a young purchaser is probably a dentist who's nearing retirement and has done a fantastic job of of building his own practice up based on uh, dentistry as it was in his time. And now you can come in and offer Invisalign and implants and all the things that might be outsourced at the moment, bring them all in-house. And that's the quickest way to grow the fee income in a practice when you first buy it. So if you look at a practice that's got two chairs, it's got no room to put a third one in, the existing owner's already doing implant, placing implants and um, offering Invisalign and all, all of those things, then you have to ask, you know, where can I take it from here? Because if you go and get a huge loan and you're up against it paying the loan back, but you can't raise your fee and come up, then you know, to my mind, that's that's not a particularly good purchase. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And you know what? Just to add to that, of my friends who are very, very, very into purchasing practices and adding to their portfolio, one of them, one or two of them have said to me, they've come to me and said, James, you know what we look for? We look for the practices that have Analog X-rays, okay. Analog X-rays, because that's like a hallmark that the you know it's a principle similar to you described, or paper notes. Because even though it's a huge pain in the backside most of the time to convert it to digital, it's a good sign that perhaps there's a lot of scope or headspace for growth. So I don't know if you've come across those before. I'm sure you have. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, running on from that, um, I would say. The ideal practice to buy is one that's slightly uncompliant, uh, that the vendor hasn't managed to keep up with compliance. Um, because the first thing you should probably do when you buy a practice is outsource the compliance to somebody, get somebody in to check the practice for you, tell you what you need to do to make it compliant. You're going to get an inspection sooner or later from CQC anyway. So I wouldn't be too afraid of that as long as it's not something that's unfixable. You know, in buying a practice that's a bit run down, then all the, all the things you mentioned and maybe isn't compliant, and, and you just spend your time and money on making sure it is compliant because you generally got to do that anyway. To be honest, even with a you know practice where the vendor is quite switched on to compliance, so you know if you can get one cheaper that's a bit run down with all those things you mentioned, then you know it's so much easier than starting a squat up doing that, and and you don't have to pay as much as a you know high performing practice either. Good stuff. Food for thought. Well, Kevin, we're coming up to the 20 minute mark. I really like to keep these lives around about that amount of time because I've found that they're the most succinct whenever we keep it to 20 minutes or so. So on that note, we're going to wrap up in just a second. Is there anything that you'd like to say in conclusion to the audience? Any final words of wisdom? I think the big thing is just surround yourself. If you're looking to buy a practice or even a second practice, just surround yourself with professional advisors 
all the things we mentioned earlier, get people looking over the accounts view, whether it's your accountant or a broker like myself. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, just, just get a bit of feedback on um, on how this could possibly work if you are looking to buy a practice. Awesome. Top stuff. Well, Kevin, thank you as ever for your time. If anybody in the audience is listening who wants to reach out to you, Kevin, how are they best off finding you? Um, well, I think probably just using the mobile number um, which we can post at the end, I guess, because um, I, I just just like to work on the mobile or email. If you, if you post my my contact details at the end, that'd be the best way. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm sure we can put that in the comments. Or alternatively, I know that you are on the Facebook group as well, Kevin. So Kevin Saunders, Dennis yes. Invest Facebook group member as well, might be an easy way to get in touch if anybody did want to ask Kevin about anything that he was talking about this evening. However, as I say, we're coming up to the 20-minute mark. Very, very, very grateful to have you along this evening. Kevin, thank you so much for giving up your time on Tuesday. I'm sure we're going to see each other in 2024 and do another one of those, another one of these lives, so we can do another prospective one or retrospective one. Uh, Comparing what we've observed since this live would be fun and all the things that we talked about. But as I say, let's leave that to 2024. In the meantime, hope you have a smashing Christmas and a smashing completion to 2023. And I'm sure that we will speak again very, very, very soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.